podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about sex today on today's podcast. We're going all the way back there. We're going all the way back to the origin of this whole thing, yeah, right? That's like four <laughs> years ago for you. It happened once. It happened once or twice, you know? <laughs> no, actually, so today we're going to be talking to Dan uh, Burkaw. He's going to bring us an idea that has, has something to do with sex, but you'll see <laughs> it may not be as controversial as, as it may seem. Um, a little introduction to Dan. He's currently co-founder and CEO of NAMI ML. That's a service that helps you launch, scale, and optimize your mobile app subscription business. He has been an entrepreneur at the forefront of tech since high school. But today he's bringing us this idea about what comes after sex. <laughs> and a baby is made, and you got to figure out how the hell you deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. This is a problem that my wife and I have faced, and I think many new parents have faced, especially as people are moving further away from the nest. They don't have the influence of grandparents to be able to help show you the ropes of being a new parent, at least right by you. So Dan brings us this idea, Headspace meets Peloton for parental well-being. Not just how you take care of the kids, but uh, appreciating that parental health can fall to pieces once a little one comes into the picture. A couple stats in terms of how big this market is. There are over 3.5 million births in the U.S. each year. That's just in the U.S. Over 140 million births annually worldwide. That number is dropping a little bit, maybe partially because people have no idea how to take care of kids. Still, at the same time, baby I believe, care. Actually, I believe the stat that I looked at for that was that it actually is expected to maintain relatively stable at 140 million worldwide, but the 3.5 million. Um, it's actually an underestimate. It's been dropping in the U.S. You know, from around 4 million the past few years. Gotcha. 3.5 million is safe to say, you know, say next year. Well, we'll see what after the uh, pandemic baby bust. Regardless, the baby care products market is almost 110 billion. It's going to reach almost 110 billion by two, 2026. Parents love spending money to take care of their babies, so they'll spend pretty much anything to take care of their babies. It's a huge market. Dan, you are a relatively new parent. Tell us about the circumstances which made you want to bring us this idea? The circumstances were that in the first 10 minutes with the baby home, the first hour, the first week, the first two weeks, where you don't know what in the heck is going on and why the baby's crying. You try all the things that you're supposed to try. You change the diaper, you, oh, well, they must be hungry. Of course, you start there. You know, you change the diaper, you make sure they're warm, you make sure they're not too cold, and, and you just keep going through these things and nothing is working, and then you loop back to one. In, in that frantic hustle to, f to figure something out, you end up on the internet. And on the internet, there's all sorts of information, except there's really no information at all from my experience with this, you search for things and there might be the clinical answer from WebMD or something like that, or, you know, more of the medical side, or you just get all this kind of uh, 
wisdom, so to speak, through people that, oh, well, this worked for my kid. And none of it's like a roadmap. None of it's like a plan that says, you know, do this, then do this, then do this, and then do this. And oh, by the way, take a break, hand the baby to the other parent because you need to step away from the space for a minute because you've been trying everything you can. Yeah, I'm wondering if you've heard of this app probably by now. And it looked when I looked at Chris's research, and it looks like we probably came across the same thing. And maybe I even recommended it to you, Chris, the Wonder Weeks, right? Yeah, you, we talked about it. Dan, have you, have you come across this app before? I saw a bunch of apps when I was, we're, we're continuing, we're four months in and we're continuing to be on a mission to, to get better every day. Um, I guess the thing is that there's a lot around like, have you fed the baby? And there's a lot of things about like, well, this week the baby needs a full-size crib uh, starting this week. Or there's a lot of things like, when did you last pump? Or uh, when did, you know, how many diapers in the day? Like a lot of like tracking things, but where we found a lot of success getting better over time, hopefully, is that it's these little stories or these little like, oh, did you think about blank? And it's these like prompts where people that we know in our family perhaps will say, oh, this worked well when you were a kid. Have you tried that? But then the other thing is, you know, I think about, so I said Peloton and, and Headspace and kind of bringing the idea to life, but it's almost a little bit of masterclass too, where you you kind of need that knowledge from experts. And that's the hard thing with the internet is that, yeah, there might be all these different products, but a lot of them, especially in this market, feel like they're shilling other products, things like baby strollers and smart cameras and you know all this other tech or, or non-tech around having a child. Um, and not necessarily about how you doing, you know, and I, I have to learn how to read the cues of like how my wife is doing to know, man, she's getting frazzled. She's starting to get frazzled. So I need to take over or she recognizes that I'm starting to get frazzled. And so that, that that's the piece that feels like it's, it's a little harder and that we certainly continue to struggle with. Yeah, there's, I'll go, go a little bit further into this app. Cause I think it's a good example. Maybe it's something we can look at as, uh, yeah, you know, as a template for how to create something that's successful that people like. Um, if I remember correctly, the Wonder Weeks, it's kind of giving you a week by week of kind of what is happening to your baby, right? And it's, for, for at least for us, we found it fascinating how accurate they could be. Like, oh, wow, it's it's pretty incredible how similar babies are through these different developmental periods. And so there would be, you know, Oh, this week your baby's beginning to understand sound, these type of sounds. So look out for this. Or the, the particular one that was helpful, I forget what they called it, but they called out these periods of time when the baby is like going through like a growth period and they're probably going to be extra frustrated or sleepy Stormy or tired. Periods. Stormy, Stormy period. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Totally useful. But so, anyways, just just call out a few things about the app, regardless of the particulars. It's Three, it's just $3.99, Apple App Store. In ratings alone, it has 82,000 ratings for the app. So that so that means probably, you know, at least 80,000 users. I'm assuming those people have paid. Maybe a couple people asked for a refund. That's $320,000 right there, just from the excited people, the motivated people who are willing to, to write a review for this app. And then like the statistics that we mentioned earlier, considering how many people are how many kids are born each day, each year, 
there's certainly a market size to present any type of product like this. We could aim for something smaller and put a higher price point, um, or we could aim for something targeted towards a broader audience. And look, you can have something that's only $3.99, $5 or whatever. You could make a significant amount uh, on that type of business. Did you have a, a vision, Dan, on the kind of price point that you're aiming for with this? I'll tell you what, what my intuition was around it is that there's a lot of little utilities and you're not sure if they're going to help you. And as a new parent, you will just, like you said earlier in the intro, you'll spend almost anything on a whim. And that may be fine for kind of the one-time purchase or a low monthly fee, but I think there's an opportunity to go up the food chain, make something more premium that really is a comprehensive resource that helps you with these things and isn't just... So, you know, this week this might happen, but here's how you actually identify if this is happening to you right now or if it's something else going on. I'm going to jump in with a tangent to crazy train. We haven't jumped on the crazy train in a little little while. Chris but... is an engineer. Usually his crazy trains are pretty rational yeah, and reasonable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of rational. But <laughs> as you're describing that, one of the challenges that I face as a parent is it's like the shotgun approach. People tell you what could be happening with your baby and you just try everything. Like that's exactly what you described. But in that moment when your kid is up at three in the morning and you're trying all these things for the you know fourth straight night, you just want something that's going to work. Right? You don't want to do any research. You don't want to watch a video. You don't want to have to read something on your phone. And when you do finally get them to sleep, you don't want to spend that time reading and learning, et cetera, right? So I'm wondering if there's a way where you have a video call with a nurse, right? A night nurse. They can make a little bit of extra money. And I would do that for, let's say it's 10 bucks a call. If I would do that all day, I would do for the first couple of months, I would be happy to pay that for, uh, for a quick consultation of, hey, try these four things. And then they can see in real time uh, what's going on with your baby. And if that doesn't work, you know, try something else. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that could be helpful. I also want to explore this avenue. I um, would get Dan's opinion on that, but I also want to explore this avenue. We're talking about this sort of headspace kind of model. Headspace itself even has what they call a pack, a 30-day pack, uh, reading from the website. It uses a visualization that will help you achieve a strong connection with your baby, but also help you prepare your mind for all the unexpected moments in new parenthood. That's a particularly, I think it's a pregnancy one, right? But if they can just have like a niche as part of what they offer, that means that there's an opening there for like we're talking about an entire package is explicitly around uh, mindfulness having to do with parenting and pregnancy and things like that. And then perhaps what you're what you're mentioning, Chris, like consultations, that could be a very interesting add on, right? Where, you know, you're getting the mindful information, but every once in a while you go. I can't take it anymore. And may, maybe included in your subscription or something like that is a few one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, with an expert to help solve a problem. Could be cool. The video call piece is, is interesting because you really are in that acute moment of just help. I need help. And it's interesting sometimes when we have a parent, one of our parents or a uh, family member over, it's interesting how quickly they're able to triage what's happening. And we're in this like fog of war and we can't see it. And yet they can see it so clearly. So I think that's a good idea, especially over some of the models around um, therapy where it's these text-based interactions. And I just don't think that would work here because the person on the other end that's trying to help can't see, literally see and hear what's happening. 
Yeah. And also you have the opportunity now to maybe like you would do when you're calling the bank and they say, is this problem regarding this, this, this press one, two, three, whatever, potentially narrowing down just through app intelligence, what the problem could be, and then connecting you with just like a potential of two or three experts in particular realm that could help you with the problem. So for example, uh, lactation consultant, I discovered as a parent was like a super valuable resource. And a lot of times, you know, be it like a doula or a lactation consultant, these people who may not have advanced degrees, they're not a doctor of this or that, but they're actually a lot smarter than the general practitioner or the OBGYN because they deal with something very specific. We had an issue, it's called a tongue tie, right? And so some kids, they just happen to need like a little piece of skin cut on underneath their tongue and it changes a ton of of health issues and sure enough that was something that our kid needed when my wife first mentioned i was like that sounds way too extreme like what are you talking about she's like i don't know the lactation consultant says it and sure enough it was the thing to do you know so if this kind of a, a consult could be something you could narrow down and they go, well, maybe we want to give you a lactation consultant, or maybe we want to give you, you know, this type of consultant, like a skincare expert, whatever it is, they can help narrow it down. And yeah, you could talk maybe even to all three. Yeah, everyone has their own issue with their baby. <laughs> for us, our firstborn was in the hospital for a couple of days shortly after he was born due to uh, a UTI and he got these hardcore antibiotics and it felt like all hands on deck having a terrible time for months. <laughs> wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't, he literally would not let us sit down while holding. He was just screaming, kicking. And one thing, it didn't solve the problem whatsoever, but one thing that we figured out after several months is we were not giving him enough time to burp. That's something that, you know, they tell you burp your baby after feeding. And of course uh, we did that, but they say like literally 20 minutes of doing that. And there are these fragile little things. And, you know, the technique is, is kind of hard to master. We ended up watching a video, yeah, four months in teaching us some different burping techniques. And it's this British video and turned into a joke for us because they say, wind your baby, which apparently is the <laughs> British term for, <laughs> for burping. So we gave him a good winding uh, using that technique and it helped. It helped tremendously. And we had that skill in our back pocket afterward, but I can only imagine how much better the experience would have been for him and for us as parents had that been diagnosed by someone earlier and we didn't have to just randomly Google all of these different things that it could be like, I looked in a tongue tie, right? It could have been a tongue tie. It could have been, we needed to swaddle him tighter. It could have, you just try all these random things. And speaking to the desperation overall and the random things that we tried, we ended up buying this, this crazy bassinet. Have you guys heard of the snoo? No, I haven't. Tell me about the snoo. The snoo is this smart bassinet. It's selling now. We didn't pay this much, but it's selling now for $1,500. You can find bassinets for 50 bucks, right? But this bassinet, you strap them in, they can't roll over. It rocks them based on how much they're crying. So when they start crying in the middle of the night, it speeds up the rocking to ideally put them back to sleep. I'd say it was probably a 20% improvement in overall sleep quality. My wife would argue that it wasn't that high, but for that, like 20% Now, when you say sleep quality... Point, the child's or yours or both? Both, yeah. both. Okay. Yeah, because let's say at 2.30 a.m., let's say one time out of five, it would put him back to sleep if it were activated. 
So that in itself was worth it to me after you know, several months of, of not sleeping at all. So, so I want to ask Dan, cause you know, your current business is, is specializes in app, you know, helping people build apps, subscription apps and things like that. I keep thinking that this is some type of app. I don't know why, like it doesn't have to be, but is, is that the direction you were thinking? Like this is a subscription app. I don't know that we got down to what the price, you know, we narrowed down to like a potential price. I, I, not necessarily that we have to start there, but yeah. What are your thoughts about it sort of explicitly being an app and even going beyond that territory? Well, I think it has to be, even though the fascinating thing for us is that going into having a kid, the phone's always kind of nearby, but then all of a sudden we were leaving our phone by accident in random rooms of the house because we're moving so much like baby doesn't baby's bored in this room. So we move and then the phone's left behind. And so it's, it's actually kind of interesting that, so I don't think it would work around uh, strictly like a set top box platform, like a Roku or an Apple TV. I think it does have to be mobile based, but even then, I mean, uh, we just, as being pretty tech people, we, we, uh, we, we just sometimes misplace our phones in a way that we never did before, uh, which is sort of bizarre. So yeah, I think it has to be at least have a phone based interface. You know, what's also interesting though, is that since having the kid, the number of smart speakers in our house have gone through the roof. And in pretty for us, we're in kind of a in the Apple ecosystem, so we have the, a lot of those little HomePod Minis, and it's because we always just need to very quickly be able to play white noise or running water or all these little washing machine sounds or all these things that you can you can play to see if it'll help. And we don't want to just be able to do that in one room. And the little speaker on the phone isn't good enough. And she can tell the difference between real running water and the recording of running water if it's coming out of the phone versus coming out of a high quality speaker. It's crazy. Actually, even then, she prefers the real thing, which is incredibly wasteful. But so we we got this thing called Nanit, and uh, it's uh, basically a camera that hangs over the the crib. So it's it's sort of like one part baby monitor, one part they do uh, video post processing using AI to, to then create these. Uh, well, first of all, they they push you alerts. So if you're not in the room, you can kind of know that there was motion or sound. But the thing that we find more interesting is that throughout the night, it will observe the video feed, run it through an algorithm to figure out, was the baby awake? Was the baby asleep? Was the baby away from the crib? And it, so it creates this sort of like gra- visual graph of the night. And then it summarizes it in terms of how long did it take them for, to fall asleep? How long did they sleep in total? How long were they in the crib but not asleep? And so for us, it's on the one hand, it's information overload from the perspective of if we have a really bad night, you feel the pain like again, because you see the metrics in front of you and it's kind of depressing. But the flip side is if you have a really successful night, you see that data, especially if you see it a few nights in a row and it's like, wow, you know, we must be making progress here in whatever we're doing. Yeah, I uh, I want to call out something that you you called out in your forums and preparing for this, which we haven't touched upon yet. We we, we kind of talked about the self care a little bit, like the headspace aspect. We talked about the advice act aspect, but you actually mentioned like activities, um, which I think is interesting as a feature to help parents with. I know I have a I have a thing that comes every month. I'll I'll, I'll look up the name. I don't have it right at hand, but I think it's like called Kiwi Box or like Koala Box or something like that. My sister got it for me, right? And it's just these boxes that come with these very simple kits with like pieces of felt and, you know, paints and stickers, but you know, you make a butterfly, right? Or you make something cool with your kids. And 
at first I would think, oh man, that's gimmicky. Like I can't, can't, Ethan, can't you come up with something cool to do with the kid? But it's really fun and it's really useful and it takes a lot of pressure off. So at that same token, even with the younger years, I love that idea of something that says, hey, have you tried this? You know, like this could be a fun thing to do with your kid. Like, you know, here's, you could start this little journal where you take pictures and they'll see it when they're, you know, they're later, the stories about them when they were a kid. Because not everybody knows about all the kind of cool ideas about things that you could do with kids and the age appropriate things, like the things that may either feel special to them later in life when they look back on it, that you, that you took a record up or like it's suitable for their actual developmental level. So I guess a, a question is now that we've talked about all of this, like we've hit upon a lot of potential ideas, right? We're going to, we always like to talk about first steps in starting it. So at some point, we need to like narrow down. Do we want to pick one of these? Do we want to make it all three? And then once we kind of decide on that, what are some first steps to get started? I think the self-care and the activities are actually related to each other. My wife and the, especially early, really early on, we're, we're only four months in, but really early on would feel sometimes like, you know, her value is basically as this milk machine and was quite frankly getting bored. Right. You know, it's like, she's got the baby, the baby's feeding, the baby's getting what they want, but she's like just sitting there. And so thinking about, well, like, how can I be doing something more valuable or how can I be doing things with the baby that aren't about the milk machine um, other times to feel good about the bond that I'm creating? So I do think they're kind of related. I do think something around activity and self-care could be interesting. I think it lends itself to to prototyping it really cheaply through something physical, physical flashcards or physical, some physical form where you can see if it helps or see if it's like achieving the objective without going and, you know, starting to build out a bunch of technology. Maybe Chris experienced this. I'm a little bit more easily distractible. So maybe I experienced it more, but like when you have a kid and you're an entrepreneur, you have all these ideas, you just like we're talking about now about, oh man, you could apply my entrepreneurship to this process and I could help other parents. There's so many things I could do. And when we're talking about getting started, you know, why didn't I start something like that? Why didn't Chris start something like that? I think part of the issue is we already had other things going, right? So like, yes, it would be cool, but there's already things going. So I think this would be a great project for somebody. It's, it's actually an especially vulnerable time when you're, you think you want to be an entrepreneur, maybe you quit your job or you're thinking about quitting your job and you've got a kid on the way. And it's like, oh my gosh, I really want this, but now I have a family and these things feel totally contradictory because I have to provide support. So it's potentially a great moment if you haven't found a business idea, but you're really craving to be an entrepreneur and you're about to have a kid or you're in the pregnancy process. You can just take your experience as a jumping off point and find a few parents that are a few months behind you, meaning they're going to go through what you're going through now in a few months and start building from there. And then maybe like gather yourselves like a, a cadre of experts on kids, right? Which would be even beneficial to your own child rearing process. Oh, I want to contact like this developmental PhD, you know, at Harvard. And I want to contact this like you know, sleep doctor at Yale. And I want to contact this person who's an expert in lactation, right? At Texas A&M or something, right? And be like, whoa, cool. I've got the dream team of parenting experts and I'm, you know, we're going to create this cool app. I think it'd be really exciting and fun if you don't have something going already. And you've got plenty of time to uh, be thinking about it. And it's like, a, it's a mutual benefit. Ideally, it would help. A lot of people struggle with my business distracts me from my family. 
or vice versa, right? And this is kind of a nice cohesion of the two where your business could actually enhance your relationship with your kids and your family. One of the challenges that we've danced around here a little bit is that there is no one size fits all approach to parenting. Everyone has different challenges. People have, uh, what's the term, angel babies that are super easy to take care of. And then they have the complete other end of the spectrum, which are little hellions from the time that they're, uh, they're, they're on the face of the earth. And, and even within that range, people have different problems. I mentioned burping. Ethan talked about the tongue ties. Creating content that addresses all of those needs in that entire range simultaneously, I think that's a real challenge. That in itself is over would be overwhelming, especially if you're up against if you're trying to directly take on someone like the Wonder Weeks, who already has all this content out there. They've got it to a price point that is extremely hard to compete with. I feel like we have to come in with a different angle altogether. I think that's why the mindfulness angle is a lot easier to tackle if you want to go in that direction, because that all just centers around, okay, you know, you're you're on two hours of sleep. Like, let's do a five-minute meditation that's going to help center you and, you know, get you into game-ready mode, uh, however that's going to be, you know? Yeah. Respectfully, I think I would tell you to go to hell if that's what you told me at 3 a.m. after your two months of, of not sleeping. Well, but theoretically, I mean, let's say, I mean, let's just say, for example, play whatever devil angels advocate on this one. Let's say you started using the app during pregnancy, which actually is relatively easy for most compared to actually having the kid after birth. You know, there's a lot less to think about. And then you could start during that period, sort of prepping the parent, like, and you sort of develop a meditation habit while you're expecting, right? Maybe you got somebody on a daily thing where they just do five or 10 minutes every day or, you know, whatever. To the point where when it comes down to the actual birth, they might be able to maintain that habit. That doesn't sound so preposterous to someone that they're going to now sit down with this app again and take a moment and that's actually going to help, right? <laughs> they don't have to feel like, like object to that. I think that's the stupidest idea ever, but you may be right, Chris. It, it'll depend on the particular parents as well. Well, the other thing too, is that it sometimes it's, yeah, the, the tough moment comes and goes and you're done. You've somehow managed to get through a situation. Baby's now, you know, sleeping or baby's now relaxed or, or whatever the, the case may be. And you may have some space to reflect on, well, how did we get out of that situation? What what ended up finally working? And you can kind of have a little bit of a look back. And so um, I wonder if there's part of this is sort of helping to prompt your analysis uh, or prompt you to think, consider what that was like. You know, and sometimes for, for us, and this is back to the kind of thinking about while you're expecting, is that idea that well, what we didn't know was was what was going to be hard, right? We knew it was going to be hard. We didn't know what or how it was going to be hard. And so how could we have prepared sort of as a couple to sort of make sure that in particular our communication and our ability to kind of observe each other and know when to step in and do, do some of those things? How, how do you practice some of those things ahead of time? So I kind of like the idea that there could be something that can kind of help you prompt either a discussion. So you're kind of have some awareness and some not, it's not a passive thing. It's sort of a kind of an active discussion about it. Something that helps you look back and kind of review a situation. So you can kind of 
remember, oh yeah, for next time, you know, two times in a row now, blank has worked really well. And let's not forget that because it's so easy to forget these things when you're in the the moment. Except for Chris and I both know that the things that work today are not going to work in a week. <laughs> well, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, you have a completely different baby from week to week. Yeah, I preempt though. Yeah, pre- I like the the aspect where you said of being preemptive, where that you know the service can give you ideas on the things that are upcoming that you might have to deal with um, and sort of prep you for it. One idea to flesh out this consulting angle that we could take the high end one. What if we had users prepay 500 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month of consulting. And if you don't use whatever amount that goes toward, you can buy diapers, you can buy clothes, you can buy, et cetera. And you create these partnerships with with Pampers or whomever so that you get an affiliate cut of the revenue from there. I'm thinking about that pricing model of people would be less likely, I think, at any given time to say, hey, I need help. But if they prepay for it and that money's already gone in the moment, then I think that they might actually pull out their phone and say, all right, let's figure this out. 10 minute video call. Right. Yeah. That's uh it sounds a little bit like it doesn't sound that complicated, but it sounds a little bit too complicated. Uh, I thought you were going to say, and I don't know why this would make sense, but I thought you were going to say the money that you don't spend goes to towards their like college fund or something like that. I mean, clearly there's not really a profit model there, but that kind of sounds appealing, I suppose, right? It seems like a win-win. Oh, it's like a forced savings plan and and I might get some assistance. Yeah, that'd be interesting. My in my take is that I would spend I don't I don't need the backside benefit. I just want a solution. But my wife would look at the backside benefit and say, aha, we have to do this. This makes you know perfect sense. We both get what we need in the moment. But then, oh, by the way, I'm already going to be buying all this other stuff anyway. So I might as well not lose it or use it or lose it kind of situation. By the way, I think there's, you know, now that I think about the profit model on getting people to spend money and putting it towards something that is not the service eventually. If you have something that has sort of ads with it or something, then you, then you've, then you could be fine. Right. So it's like, Oh, you put the money aside. Like, again, I, I, this is a dumb idea, but like, <laughs> like fidelity, right? Like fidelity is an investment service and maybe they have some sort of thing that you could put away money for your kids or whatever. And they want it. They want to promote it. You know, they want people to know about it. They want people to use it. And it just so happens that, the way that they're promoting it is by creating this app where like you get this advice and this and this, and it, but it also goes to the, um, or they're partnering with the, with an app or something. All right. Bad idea, guys. We'll move on. <laughs> well, the part of that, that's a good idea is, is these, these things that you're going to want to think about later, like the financial services piece. I think where the advertising angle at least in our world would get a little bit weird is if you're just seeing yet another stroller, yet another thing. And it's not because a lot of the kind of quote unquote mommy blogs out there are filled with these kind of affiliate links to all these products. And so it's really hard to have trust around, well, why is that the five-star stroller? Is that because they're paying the most for the placement or, you know, so there's, at least in our family, we have a lot of skepticism around the products that we see advertised on some of these places. But I love the financial services piece because you're going to, oh, oh it, it might prompt you to say, oh, yeah, we should start a college savings account. You know, let's do that right away. Right. Or life insurance or, you know, they, they have a potential to kind of educate and inform people about the products, yeah. especially financially related products they might need. One other idea that that you shared, Dan, that I want to touch on before we wrap up here is low friction, just email. 
yeah. a weekly email. You can test out the content. You can figure out what's resonating, what's working. These email lists like on Substack are becoming huge right now. Do you think that there's the opportunity there? The friction uh, would be incredibly low. And, and as you are interacting out there in the world, and I mean, it's like, I don't know, you, you talked about, you joked about the the pandemic bust, but I mean, we were, we walked to coffee earlier today and it's just like, there are strollers everywhere. It's crazy. And, and there's a full pipeline. There's, you know, kids our age, kids, obviously they're fresh, brand new. And then ones that were a little earlier, maybe like right at the beginning of the pandemic, but it's like, man, there's a lot. And, um, so I would imagine something like an email newsletter would, would have some viral nature to it too, where if you, you know, meet another new mom or meet another new dad, you know, it, it's something that would spread more easily than, Hey, there's this yet another app that you should check out, which we're all kind of tired of to some degree. Riffing off that I'm picturing a choose your own adventure type of thing. I keep coming back to this idea of everyone has their own custom problems. And, uh, let's say you've had your baby for four months and you know that you don't have trouble with sleeping, but you do have trouble with eating and maybe with gas, who knows, right? And so you unselect any of the sleeping feedback. And you don't get any any tips or anything related to that. And you only get stuff that's delivered related to challenges that you're facing. There's this information overload. Everyone knows that. But especially as a parent, everyone has opinions. You don't want to hear everyone's opinions, especially. I was super turned off by my parents sharing stuff like, yes, I I did that, of course, that we tried that four weeks ago. <laughs> like, uh, so, and, and even hearing that in an app form of all these other things that are not related to what your issue is, I think it dilutes the effectiveness of, of the tool. Yeah, it'd be interesting though. Yeah, if you could turn them off, maybe you could save a little bit of money or like an aggregator for maybe you don't have to create any app yourself. You just find a bunch of different people who are offering apps and services for kids and somebody pays one low monthly fee to kind of turn on and off the ones that they think are the coolest at the time that they need them. Yeah, it could be interesting. I want to I want to put one more thing in. Uh, I, I just want to share it because I think it's an interesting story on the mindfulness piece. I know we were talking about that a minute a few minutes ago, but just a couple interesting anecdotes around the mindfulness and like your story, Chris, about like ah, well, am I going to be ready for that? I do a group meditation sometimes with a bunch of friends, and after we do it, at the end of it, we share like what's on our mind, right? And sometimes, you know, people come out and they're like, oh, extreme peace, you know, I feel extreme peace. And then sometimes they're like, oh man, I was on my computer the whole time or like, I, you know, I couldn't even get to it. So there's been a couple of weeks really interesting. One time, another guy in the group at the end of it is like, how do you feel? And he goes, I feel less annoyed. <laughs> you know? And then like the next week he was like, I feel less annoyed. And we had to be like, dude, what's, what are you less annoyed about? Like, what's this thing? And he's like, well, I'm trying to get my wife and my kid to shut up while I'm trying to meditate, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and we were, and then, you know, a few of us in the group were like, well, this is what meditation is all about, right? Like finding a way to center yourself in the storm, right? So imagine if you can do that, find a way to center yourself during the storm, right? Then it makes it that much easier to tolerate it when you're not quote unquote meditating, right? So it's really cool with an app like this to like teach people these things ahead of time or plant these seeds in their head, right? The meditation is not about finding the silent place in the real world. It's about finding the silent place that's in your head that's always there, you know? The other one that I'll say, which I think is a fun story, 
is I was doing the same kind of meditation group and my wife, my kid came and, and she was like, oh, like Zeki really wants you. My son's name is Zeki. He, oh, he really wants you. We have a carpet cleaner, you know, and he wants to show you how he can push it. In my mind, I consciously made the choice. Like, should I say that, I'm sorry, I'm meditating or should I go look at the carpet cleaner, you know? <laughs> and I went. You know, I went in the middle of what was supposed to be my meditation and I went to go look at the carpet cleaner and I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I completely agree that it's valuable. I think that it's hard to get people to do that in the moment. That's the challenge. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We're coming up on time here, Dan. Let's talk a little bit about NAMI.ML. Can you tell us about what you're up to? You guys have mentioned a few times, you know, there, there's all sorts of subscription apps out there. You know, it, it turns out that a lot of them are kind of scammy in a way. They they want to get you in and then they, you know, maybe get you to keep subscribed for a few months. And, uh, and eventually you'll be like, oh, I don't use that. And you'll go cancel that. And then you'll realize, oh, there's five other things that I don't use anymore. I should cancel those things too. But the perfect harmony, the trifecta is when a subscription service is good for the brand, where it's good for the end user. And it's also good for, in our case in mobile, you know, Apple and Google who take a percentage of the, of the revenue. And so what we're really trying to do is help brands deliver a more durable subscription customer base over time by really focusing on happy subscribers. If your subscribers are not happy, they're going to cancel. It's just only a matter of time. So it's a, it's a SaaS service. We're trying to give other companies and brands an ability to really optimize their subscriber experience so that they can cut down on churn and, and really focus on customer sat and not just getting people into the free trial and hoping that they don't, don't remember that they've got the subscription in the first place. I love that. I mean, uh, as someone who's done subscription services, it's a lot easier to focus on selling it in the first place because that's the, one of the hardest parts you kind of have to drill down on. If you can't sell it, then you don't have anything worthwhile. Um, but sometimes the maintenance of the project can take a backseat to kind of selling it to new subscribers. I love the idea of something that can give you support in paying attention to that aspect, which in the end, it's easier to sell to the customers that you already have. Yeah, a customer you already have is worth, I don't know, whatever multiple they say is more than the one that you don't have yet and you're trying to sell. Great, Dan. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. We will include the link to NAMI in the show notes here. I see that you moved to the .com URL. It's redirecting from NAMI.ML, but people can find you at NAMI.ML or NAMIML.com. Dan, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and we look forward to connecting again in the future. Hey, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.